Well, today's discussion on Grace to Stand is actually we're departing from our series on worship and the ordinary means of grace to talk about something going on in the culture, but the Christian culture or Christianity that's causing some waves. And that's Andy Stanley's North Point Church and their recent stance on how to respond to gay Christians, gay marriage in in their own words. And so, Darren, that's what we're going to talk about today. And to kind of kick this off, I'm going to read a quote from Andy's, uh, this sermon he preached this last Sunday. And so to, uh, to kind of bring us up to speed, I think North Point Church had hosted a conference uh, to help parents understand how to minister to and love their uh, children who suffer, who struggle with same-sex attraction. And to do so, they brought in speakers who were in gay marriages. And of course, a lot of people have seen this trajectory coming for a while, and we'll talk about that. And so that garnered a lot of uh, pushback in the Christian world. So Al Mohler wrote an article uh, the Council for Biblical Manhood and Womanhood has has spoken into this. A, a number of uh, Christian leaders have spoken into this. So last week, North Point Church did something kind of unprecedented where they, uh, in Andy's, I guess, his sermon or part of what he said during the service, the service actually wasn't live streamed. And so that's an odd thing for a church with, I don't know if they have 40,000 members uh, on nine campuses who stream in messages and, and all this, but Basically, it wasn't, uh, the video's not out there yet, but people have seen this and heard it and have reported on what was said. And so I'm going to read a quote from the Council of Biblical Manhood and Womanhood on uh, Andy Stanley Stanley explaining their stance. He says this, uh, gay Christians, that's actually in brackets. And so that's the context of probably from an earlier quote, uh, choose a same-sex marriage, not because they're convinced it's biblical. Well, that's interesting. They read the same Bible we do. They choose to marry for the same reason many of us do, love, companionship, and family. And in the end, as was the case for all of us, and this is the important thing I want you to hear me say, it's their decision. Our decision is to decide how we respond to their decision. Our decision as a group of local churches is how are we going to respond to their decisions. And we decided 28 years ago, we draw circles, we don't draw lines. We draw big circles. If someone desires to follow Jesus, regardless of their starting point, regardless of their past, regardless of their current circumstances, our message is to come and see and come sit with me. And this is not new. This is who we are. It's who we've always been. And this is why I love our church. And this is why I'm so extraordinarily proud of you. We aren't condoning sin. We are restoring relationships and we are literally saving lives. Uh, and he goes on, I'm going to read a little more. This is why Justin and Brian were invited the two married gay men at the center of all the controversy. And I'm sure that you've all read about it. And here's the thing about Brian and Justin, their stories and their journeys of growing up in church and maintaining their faith in Christ and their commitment to follow Christ all through high school and college and singles. And up to the time that they were married, their story is so powerful for parents of gay, especially kids. And that's a story gay parents and gay kids need to hear. And so I'll just leave it there. But ba- there, basically, the, the gist of it is S- Stanley's trying to do this um, 
he's trying to walk this line of saying, we still believe in what the Bible says about this, but people are allowed to make the decisions they're allowed to make, and we're going to meet them where they are. But notice he is calling them Christians who are trying to faithfully follow God. And so that's this weird, I don't know if that's postmodern, you know, we can affirm this, but then allow the opposite of it or, or what. But what are some of your thoughts as we kick this off? There seems to be a colossal level of um, cognitive distance, dissonance there that Andy Stanley is dealing with. I mean, he's, he, you, you said it exactly right. I mean, he's trying to walk the line and he's trying to, on the one hand, um, affirm something of Orthodox Christianity while also capitulating to the spirit of the age on issues of, of sexuality. And what that really is, is a service of two masters, it seems. And, and I think that you can trace the trajectory of where he has gone uh, when you look back to the the genesis of North Point Church in the Atlanta area, uh, going back nearly thirty years ago now. I mean, the 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 church uh, by its own by its own admission, by its own statements, uh, was founded as a church with with the. Uh, uh, with the objective of of reaching unbelievers where they are, so they could be uh, evangelized and brought into the Christian faith, that they would that they would uh, end up believing in Jesus. And of course, it's a noble thing, and 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 every church should have that outward orientation to it. That we should be uh, seeking to make disciples of all nations, that we should be reaching uh, to be, uh, we should be Christ's witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria to the very ends of the earth. But the problem is, is that the mission ended up driving the message. So a very noble, biblical, godly ambition was was ended up being placed before the message. And when that happens, you end up manipulating the message to fit the mission. And that is what you have seen over the court, bit by bit, by the way. I mean, it wasn't like everything was fine, and then all of a sudden you see Andy Stanley uh, giving affirmation to same-sex marriages. It was it, It's a bit by bit incremental chipping away at the the foundations of of the the gospel message and of the scriptures to the point to where it's it's so uh deconstructed and neutered down to where there's nothing of substance left what you win people with you win them too and so uh i think that's what you've seen with andy stanley i mean for instance you know a few years ago he's he's he made the the statement. Um, I don't know. This was maybe five or six years ago. He made the statement where the church needs to unhitch itself from the Old Testament. I mean, that's an asinine comment for someone in, in, in claiming to be a a, a a Christian minister of the gospel to make. I, I mean, how in the world can that? That's just bizarre. I mean, you can't unhitch the 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 Christian faith from. The from thirty nine books of the Scripture, the, uh, our Lord Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of the prophecies of the Old Testament. Is the the, the moral law 
as a rule of life remains intact. And we see that in the New Testament. It, it, it's just bizarre, but there's that sort of chipping well, away that you see over the course yeah. of years. So there's a, we have to go through a lot of what you said right. uh, individually, because I do think that trajectory is important. And so, you know, Harry Reader has really helped us see what you just said about how the mission is going to drive the message. And you heard it in the quote that I read, like we decided we're going to draw circles and not lines. In other words, circles of inclusion. And what really occurred to me is he just has a messed up polity. I just, it, his, you know, so North Point, again, is it's tens of thousands of people and there's no membership. And I know this has been the movement in particularly in, in cities and in places that are more post-Christian context, like membership has uh, been really frowned upon and looked down upon. And, um, but it almost makes sense in his context to say these things that he's saying, because if you don't have membership, you don't have any uh, ecclesiastical authority over, uh, you know, the, what, who is the, who are the shepherds keeping watch over, right? Mm -hmm. Like Hebrews says, you know, to honor your, your, your pastors, because they are keeping watch over your souls. They didn't have to give an account for them, uh, to the Lord. And so do this, you know, not begrudgingly and do this, you know, uh, almost cheerfully. And, um, uh, but in a church with no membership, with no way to know who the 30,000 people are in the church, and with a mission, like you said, to reach the lost. And so you want lost people in the church. And by the way, we all want lost people to show up into our churches. Right. But now you don't distinguish between who a Christian is and who a Christian is not. There's almost no, it's almost like the, the, the shepherds now are not shepherds, but they're gurus that people then hopefully follow and absorb some of the, the message from them. And so I can almost understand a church that, that, operates like this saying what Stanley said, because the fact of the matter is you're gonna have people walk in your doors who are, they're gay, who are married in gay marriages. And what do you do with them? Well, you have no, you have no right to say, if you're a Christian, you can't live like this because you have no right over that person at all. Like that person hasn't, they don't buy into the, the system of government that uh, that we see in scripture. And so I think he's conflating two things, allowing people to come in the church as they are, come as you are. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. In Meadowview, we've never thrown anybody out of the church because they're an open sinner. Um, but we've also never let a Christian believe, well, I mean, let to the best of our ability, uh, allow a Christian who is living in open outward rebellion to the word of God, think that they're actually a Christian in good standing in the church. Well, they don't have those two categories because they just have everybody, they just have attenders, you know? And so I, I can, I can see how they've tried to work through it. They just don't have the, they don't have the background or the system for it. And, you know, I, I noticed with Stanley years ago, well, first of all, let me ask you about that. And then I'll, I'll I want to move into this idea about the Bible. What, what do you think about well, what I just... Oh, I, I I agree with you entirely. I mean, you said they have 40,000 members. They actually have zero members. They just have 40,000 attendees. And so the, 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 the metaphors that are used in the, in the scriptures of the, the church, of being the household of God, the body of Christ and so forth, there's, 
there's uh, some sense of clarity as to who belongs. You know, there, you know who belongs to your household, George, and who does not. You know, your your wife and your three children belong to your household, and I do not belong to your household, and 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 vice versa, right? There, there's a distinction there. Um, the, the the body of Christ that it has certain members, and and my my phone is not a member of my body, but my finger is a member of my body. There's distinction there, and those are the those are metaphors used for the body of Christ. And so that's why we believe in things like church membership. And what does it, and and when you don't have any church membership, you don't have anything distinguishing between who, um, who, is at, who actually belongs to the church, then you have no grounds for, for any discipline. Um, you know, you can't, how are you gonna, how are you gonna discipline someone who is engaged in in active sin who's who's committing adultery who's uh, committing cr criminal uh, acts in in their their work or what what have you um, you have no you have no basis to do that so what how this relates to the 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 same sex marriage uh, discussion it, it is that uh, They've never they've never had a way of, of conducting that discipline and with amongst their attendees, so you can't draw any lines. But it's it's interesting that you you said that, or that Andy Stanley said that about we're drawing circle. We draw circles here and not lines. I mean that is a line. <laughs> you know they they the line is that they are they're going to draw circles and they're not going to draw lines. But, but the fact is, in the church, you have to you have to do a little bit of both, right? There's there's in inclusion, um, and we need to to practice inclusion on some level in the sense that that we invite all to. There's the free offer of the gospel. We want we want anybody and everybody to walk in our doors and hear that gospel message, and we want to go out into the world and proclaim that gospel message. Uh, yet at the same time, there are lines. There are there there are there are uh, th there are things that distinguish someone uh, for, uh, as being a follower of Christ, and things that distinguish someone as not being a follower of Christ. And so I think that those, I mean that, and that's in the Scripture. That's the Scripture. That's not my opinion. <laughs> and uh, he Jesus draws those lines. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son does not have life. No one comes to the Father but through me. I mean, those types of things. That's, that's a clear line in the sand. Uh, so when a church won't do that, then it, 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 what else can it do but cave into the winds of the age? Well, and it, I think, too, when you hear his defenders, you hear the shallowness of what they've been taught. So I hear a lot of like, well, Jesus ate with sinners and Jesus... You know, you guys are the Pharisees. And I said, well, Jesus also said, go and sin no more. Jesus also said, if anyone would come after me, let him take up their cross, uh, deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. Like, but if you're only teaching a, a, a message that allows people to live how they are and doesn't challenge them with those lines, um, 
and and that that makes that makes sense to me. I mean, Andy wrote he wrote a book. I don't know if it's 15 years ago now. It was called Communicating for Change, and this thing was just hailed as like the book for preachers. And uh, and I had to read it for a class that I took. It wasn't a class at Knox, and I had to write on it a little bit. And I was just shocked. I mean, the the my whole takeaway from the book was the Bible is not enough. That was my takeaway. And so he, 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 uh, and then, but he's always apologizing saying that's not what he's saying, but the tone, so I'm, I'm being honest about that. He, he wouldn't say that maybe now he would, I don't know, but, but the whole tone of the book is we have to supplement the Bible with our own techniques, wisdom and everything else. And that's so amazing because Paul specifically says, I didn't come to you with those things. I just came to you with the word. That's exactly right. But this is what, so he, he makes these dichotomies and admittedly he, he is an amazing leader and he does have a way with words and he does have a way of kind of compartmentalizing stuff in, in ways people can understand. But he says, there's three ways or three goals for preaching. He says, one is teaching the Bible to people. One is teaching people the Bible. And by the way, there you have a a, a difference without, or distinction without a real difference. Uh, But but he he makes some distinctions in that. And then third option is teach people how to live a life that reflects the values, principles, and truths of the Bible, which is actually what he advocates for. But now, 15 years later, he's not teaching people how to live a life that reflects the values, principles, and truths of the Bible, because the values, principles, and truths of the Bible would not allow for people to live in open outward rebellion to what it says. Well, well, and and it's a, the the timeline is very important here too, because that was a book that was uh, published fifteen years ago. Well, it, uh, what was it? Six years ago, he decided that the church needed to unhitch itself from two-thirds of the bible well let me read let me yeah let me, let me read that quote because it right. shows you his lack of understanding of, right. of what's going on in the bible so he said i think in the sermon he says peter james paul elected to unhitch the christian faith from their jewish scriptures and my friends we must as well and then he explains that in relevant magazine well i never suggested we unhitch from a passage of scripture or a specific biblical imperative again i was preaching through acts 15 where Peter, James, and Paul recommended the first century church unhitch, which is he admits is his word, uh, the law of Moses from the gospel being preached to the Gentiles in Antioch. That is such a woeful lack of understanding of basic biblical teaching on how to understand the Old Testament promises fulfilled in Christ. That there, There's not an unhitching there. Um, that's that we're not going to preach law as a means to salvation. I mean, it's like, it's, he doesn't understand Galatians. He doesn't understand the Jerusalem council. Like, has he ever read the the sermon? on? Has he ever read James letter? Did James unhitch? James didn't unhitch from the law of Moses. Nobody did. uh, From the old Testament. But yeah, if you're, if your thought Mm -hmm. is that the scriptures are not enough, you say, you say stupid things like this, and then your people parrot stupid things like this. And and the thing is, is that, um, you know, you said that 15 years ago, he would not have said that he didn't affirm the, the that's a double negative. You would have said, he would have affirmed the sufficiency of scripture, right? 15 years ago, he would have said, I'm not, I'm not subverting the, the sufficiency of scripture, but I really think that's, that's, 
zeroing in upon the the real issue that I see in churches, even in our own circles. I mean, just to bring it home, because you know, Andy Stanley is is in a whole different um, world of evangelicalism that that I don't think most of of uh, well, certainly not the world I'm I'm really walking in, but the world that I am walking in is a, is a reform world where there are there are very frequently ministers and churches that would absolutely affirm the the sufficiency of scripture. If, for instance, in the PCA, there's not a I don't think there would be a single minister of the gospel who would say the scriptures are not sufficient for faith and life. Everyone would say that, but the, the the proof is in the pudding. That's right. And and I think that what we have seen in um, in the PCA with some of the affirmation or or tilting of the hand towards things like side B um, and certain uh, certain issues pertaining to um, even critical race theory and I know that's a huge buzzword and and it can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people but just a and a whole host of other issues regarding cultural engagement regarding um, you know sp speaking about difficult topics that are, that our culture absolutely rejects uh, I think that we're I think that we're we're subverting the the sufficiency of scripture when we cave into those types of things. Yeah. And it does not mean that we go in with with all guns blazing and that we pound people over the head with the truth. There is a there's a sensitivity, there's a there's an understanding your your people, there's an understand there, there's a there's a, a tenderness and a compassion and a grace that we always ought to have in our in our lives and our preaching and our ministries and all of that. Yes, yes, a million times. However, the, it, it, we we have to trust in the sufficient that that God's word is sufficient for faith and life, and we need to wrap all of our arms around that, and we need to proclaim that boldly and humbly in our churches otherwise the the trajectory leads in this direction i mean it just it, it just goes that way 101 times out of 100 right right yes the sufficiency of scripture i was uh i was talking to harry reader that's what he said the big problem of of progressive christianity is so it's not like Mm -hmm. liberalism was which attacked the inerrancy of scripture but it was an attack on the sufficiency of scripture and of course once again those people wouldn't have said that th those that we are talking about but they act like we have to supplement the bible with all the social sciences and, and i think also what's under attack is the perspicuity of scripture mm -hmm. uh, the bible you know because we and we see this by the way in our own circles there and very close to home where very close to uh, home. yeah yeah well the bible the bible's not sufficiently clear on these things it doesn't give us what we need to be able to know these things so yeah like in other words perspicuity and 
sufficiency, it seems like more and more only, only applies to how one is saved. You're saved through faith in Christ and everything else is almost like, well, you got to work and figure this out, you know, on your own kind of thing. So then you see this, this kind of nonsense. And I also want to just uh, clarify one of the marks of a real church is church discipline. Mm-hmm. And if a church is saying things like what is what this church is saying, and again, to me, that goes back to the fact that there's no membership. And uh, by the way, another mark of the church is the right administration of the sacraments. Mm-hmm. And how can you have that in a church of that many thousands with no real membership? And the fact that you're allowing people to be Christ- say they're Christians who are living in outward rebellion to our Lord. And so I, I don't view that as a real legitimate church. That doesn't mean they're not, there are not real Christians in that place, but they are not, they're being fed by a false teacher. And, uh, and I don't, I don't have any problem saying that at this point because people's eternal salvation is at stake. And, uh, they are so concerned with confronting sin that they're just saying they're allowing people to believe they're saved who aren't. And that's hurtful. And so I, 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 I act like this and say this because I care about people and I care about uh, I care about their salvation and I care mm-hmm. about their their lives and I know that you know I'm sure that Andy would say and 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 those who are supporting him would say well he's saying these things because because he cares about people and I can appreciate the real struggle of parents of of kids who are in this place and they they just want their kids to be happy and they see the real, again, struggle is the best word I can use for it, the real struggle that their family member is in, and why would God, quote unquote, not want them to be happy? Uh, I, I, I get that. I get the anguish that people feel, and but we never trade eternal things for temporary satisfaction. Right. Um, the you know the uh, there's a narrow gate and a wide gate there's your will and there's the lord's will and and christ is the ultimate example of not my will but your will be done i mean ultimately this is a matter of of course people in this struggle want something but the bible never affirms your desires or your wants in 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 against the word of god and so you know yeah an alcoholic desires and wants their drink that is causing their destruction. Um, and I guess that's where I'll leave the analogy because people always get fired up when you, you, um, you try to compare this desire to other base sinful desires, but Mm -hmm. rest assured, this is not, uh, it's not just a little thing that only affects those who, who are living with the struggle. Um, the Bible never treats it that way. Old Testament, you, Andy can unhitch from the Old Testament all he wants. The New Testament is even more clear on this than the Old Testament. So. Right. And and when you're talking about these issues of, of sexuality, I, I, I should say this. It's not like this is just some boogeyman that, that you and I or other Christians of our, um, of our thinking here uh, have just decided to to take up arms and fight some kind of cultural battle that isn't really taking place. I mean, th- this is, uh, we just want to go on some culture warrior kick. I mean, this was, this has fallen into to our plate. I mean, this has fallen, this has fallen in front of us. 
and and we have to either confront it or we can kick it to the side but i don't think that you can kick it to the side kicking it to the side is 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 really affirmation of it <laughs> and you know when people like andy stanley are, are saying you know the the comment that was made in the sermon this past sunday about you know potentially saving people's lives that, that this is a matter of 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 life and and death i mean that's that's really caving into that um to that narrative of the the culture that like if you do not affirm and celebrate every every um you know the 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 position that a person takes on this issue the the lifestyle choices that they make then then they may then they may become suicidal and you'll be the one that has blood on your hands for it and of course you know there are there are there are people who are same sex attracted or who are engaged in in homosexual relationships um whose family members have been abusive i mean and have been horrible and wicked and anything but in the church and the church and the church is i mean that has absolutely happened and it happens today and it will continue to happen on some level and it's and it's wicked and it should never be that's that is not okay whatsoever but you know is it possible that that uh a per, that a family or a church could be engaging with people in the most loving, gracious, compassionate, yet truthful way possible. Um, and uh, a, a person could feel as if the, the church was abusive towards them or their family was abusive towards them. Yes, because they didn't affirm what they... It's not loving to affirm people in anything that they want to do. It's not loving to to uh, affirm to a person, you know, I, I, I just really want to, you know, walk off the cliff. I mean, it, it, what's loving to them is saying, if you can walk off the cliff, you can drink the poison, but you will die. That's loving. And uh, there's a better way. And I think that, uh, you know, we need to have the boldness to be able to speak in such a manner and to train our people in such a manner that you can you can love someone without affirming and celebrating what it is that they're doing. And Andy Stanley is is uh, doing the complete opposite of that. He's just he's buying into the cultural narrative on that, which says you must affirm and you must celebrate in order to love. And if you don't, you are you have you could potentially have blood on your hands. Right. Well, it's funny you're saying that because Michael Horton said that, and he's a you know a, a stalwart in Reformed theology. Uh, but of course, he wasn't affirming gay marriage. He was just saying, "Well, pastors need to be careful what they say in the pulpit because somebody could kill themselves if they hear what you know." It's, and it's just like, that's just not, that's just not helpful. And as you were talking, so many thoughts came to mind. Again, like they have a messed up polity. They don't understand what the church is as opposed to what outreach and, and, and believers and non-believers are. There's no, uh, there, <clears throat> there's no understanding of that. There also doesn't seem to be an understanding of sin. And this very much has to do with the discussions in the PCA and the side B discussion, because it's almost as if Andy is treating 
uh, gay, gay marriage as a crutch for a disability. Right. You know, because he's saying like, look, this is the closest. He, one of the quotes was something very close to like, this is the closest they can come to a biblical marriage. And it's, it's uh, you know, we remember when Greg Johnson stood on the floor of, of General That's Assembly exactly and he talked about, exactly. you know, barren women and crippled people and, and associating yeah. this aberrant desire with um, physical disability. And it's, yeah. I'm, I'm not going to deny that there could be a genetic component going on to this. I, I have no idea. I'm not, I'm not a, a, a biologist in that regard, but I do know they haven't found the quote unquote gay gene. But even if like, even Beckett Cook, who is struggled with same sex attraction, he, I commend his book to you, uh, a change of affection, a gay man's, uh, let me see what it's called. A gay, uh, a gay man's incredible story of redemption. Um, you know, he even affirms, like he, he says, even if supposed gay gene is found, mm -hmm. this is still sin. In other words, it's, it's a result of the fall and a result of our sin natures. And so, uh, all of our unwanted desires, like, like if you excuse yeah, this unwanted desire, what unwanted desire would we not excuse? They're all, and that's right. in, in a reformed sense, this is, uh, this is original sin, which is rightly mm -hmm. attributed to us. Yes, we've inherited it, but it, 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 it is our sin nature and you don't give crutches to your sin nature. Like as if it's, you're, you're just a crippled person who, uh, or, or you need a medical thing going on. Um, so yes, we have compassion, but we don't give people crutches to wallow in their sin to, you know, um, to walk in the flesh. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. You know, um, we encourage people to walk in the spirit and we help them to do that. Yeah. We don't shame people for things that they desire that they shouldn't desire, but we don't also allow people then to submit and give into those desires and say, yeah, you're a Christian in good standing in the church. Yeah. And, and that, you know, that I could see there and I could see you were chomping at the bit. Something oh, yeah. I was saying. No, no, you were you were talking <laughs> about you know Greg Johnson and, and his statement on the floor of General Assembly where he where he w was equating um, same sex attraction with physical disabilities. Um, you know, perhaps even being born like with Down syndrome. I I can't you know I can't remember the exact quote, but I mean if you're born with something like Down syndrome or your 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 uh or you have some kind of physical disabilities um you know th th there's obviously the some sort of uh, genetic component to that like for instance my son was born with a cleft palate that, that was a there's a genetic um component to that 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 led him to be born you know from a scientific perspective led him to be born with a cleft palate so that, but that's the effects of sin versus the actual engagement volitional um, aspect of of sin. And so, even if someone is born, even if they discover a gay gene, or they dis discover an anger gene, or a um, non-monogamous uh, heterosexual gene, or, or whatever the case may be, a greedy gene. The fact of the matter is, is that that doesn't excuse that. I mean, if I have a, if I have a, an, an inclination towards 
uh, towards anger because of some genetic aspect of my being that I have no control over. That it's just part of my genes, every bit as much as the color of my eyes are 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 genetic. Uh, it it does not. It it, it does. No one. <laughs> No one's going to say, well, you know, you can let your anger go unhinged to the point to where you, you're, it, it, it's, it's actually okay for you to commit murder. I mean, that's just, no one, that's, that's bizarre and, and absurd. And there, yeah, and there's a, it, that's a great point because there's as much evidence that our anger patterns are inherited as there mm-hmm. is, as there is that you know, same sex attraction is, is deeply ingrained, which I don't right. deny either, but I, you know, if you grow up in an abusive household and you become an abuser, nobody says it's okay that you're an abuser, you know, um, mm-hmm. or if you're following your father's anger patterns and they're just a part of your life as an adult, nobody says it's okay. You can lash out that way. As a matter of fact, they come down harder on those people than anyone else. And exactly. so, yeah, there, what I, what I'd like to do is, oh, I want to kind of turn the corner and how do we, um, how do we help families understand then how to relate to family members in this situation? But the last thing I'll say is I, when I was talking about that book, communicating for change, mm-hmm. uh, and that sort of the three goals for preaching and he advocates the third one, he gives a, a suggested outline for preachers to use. And it's, you know, it, it's, it's kind of quaint. It's hook, book, look, and took. Mm-hmm. And so the hook is that opening illustration that engages people. The book is the Bible. Uh, the look is, I guess, would be like how he applies that. And then the took is the takeaway. Mm-hmm. But you notice in the outline and flow of the sermon, we, the the word of God is one, is 25%, you know. And um, right. Like, right. again, he, he's going to argue against that, but the tone and the feel of how you construct this and what you do in a sermon, it, it communicates that. It the Bible is one small piece of a larger thing. Now, you and I, as Reformed preachers trained in Reformed seminaries, understand there is, of course, always explanation, applic- illustration, and application, but we do that at every point of the sermon. We don't just do that in one part of the sermon. Right. You know, like our, if we preach three points, our three points are three biblical points that get explained, illustrated and applied. Jesus, it comes out of the scriptures, from the scriptures, out of the scriptures. Right. And with scripture as the foundation for do, it all. Do you think, too, with that, that's that shows another kind of gap in his understanding of theology in that he doesn't have a category for what we in the PCA and reform were called the ordinary means of grace, that the Bible, that the word of God is what does the work. And yes, the preacher is to preach it to somebody's heart and to preach it in a way that they can connect to it. But it almost like, it's almost like he doesn't believe it's the word of God that does the work. It's, it's, it's how good you can do those other things. Well, so what what I really think this is, George, is a uh, 2020s uh, version of the 1990 seeker sensitive. Absolutely, it is. This is this is the manifestation of it. Um, it's it's the the notion that the scripture isn't enough to 
to reach people for Christ. And so we must manipulate them with uh, the emotions, with the lights, with the smells, with the entertainment, with the with the um, oratory skills, oratory skills, with the with the with the concert aspect of, uh, you know, making worship, making our architecture, making everything about worship feel as if you're something you're at something common that you already decided that that you that you like that already scratches your your itch and your felt needs. Uh, and so what you how this translates into to the the Christianity of the the 2020s so 30 years down the road from when uh, North Point Church starts is this um, the scripture is not enough and so we need to placate people's um, social sexual or whatever inclinations and 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 give it the blessing of of God in order to reach them for the Lord. Mm. And I, I just think that that what you win people with, you win people too. And they've been one. And, and and when you win people with a a either watered down message that only speaks to what people already agree with. Uh, in their natural state uh, or or already affirm everything that they already affirm and, and, and you're never you're ne never confronting a God who confronts you with your sin then of course you're going to come to a place to where you affirm this sort of thing I mean that, that's just that's just what's going to that's the natural trajectory of it all yeah. So I I think I think that that's where um, that's where all this has has led, and that's why we really need to be anchored in in the scriptures alone, sola scriptura, that the scripture is enough, that the scripture is sufficient, that the scripture is clear on faith and life, and we need to to trust it. When we preach, we simply open the word, we proclaim the scriptures, the full the whole counsel of God. And we let the Holy Spirit do what he is going to do in the hearts of believers. And we preach it to the heart. We preach to the heart, absolutely to the heart. It's not an academic lecture. But That's right. It's the, it's the Spirit who enlivens people. We trust the Spirit, not our methods, not our, not our um, you know, skills or whatever. We trust in, the, in the, the power of the Spirit to do his work in the hearts of people. Yeah, yeah. We, uh, I think we ought to do, you and I ought to do another episode and, and then we'll pick back up with the, the worship ones. Another episode on how family members can rightly relate to family members, not just who struggle with same-sex attraction and, and, and are living it out, but also just any sort of sin pattern. Um, yeah. Because I, 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 I'm thinking of a number of pastoral cases that... Uh, both in my church and other places, uh, I don't. It, it's not just our at the church. Every pastor tells me these stories. Uh, families are trying to navigate this, and so I think we ought to do that. But I, so maybe we'll just land the plane. Sure. With final thoughts on this, and and my final word on it is, it seems to me, 
I know Andy Stanley and North Point don't mean it this way, but you very very often people don't mean to be condescending when they are. It seems to me very condescending to people in a life and a struggle um, to say to them, "This is don't worry, just do do this. This is the closest you're going to come because you don't want to be lonely." Um, because God has so much more for the for people, mm-hmm. and it seems to be a neutered gospel that doesn't actually believe that the gospel is the power of God for salvation for all who believe. Mm -hmm. It doesn't actually believe John's gospel. You say, well, well, that's eternal life. Okay. When John's gospel talks about eternal life over and over and over, Zoe, uh, it says you have this now. Right. It says you live life this shalom, this, this peace of God now. And it does not mean you do that in, in living in your sin. Mm-hmm. It means that Jesus Christ is enough. Now, none of us lives like he's enough. I don't live like he's enough. And I would guess you would say the same thing. But I want, I believe in the promise of God that he is enough. And I want that for my life. And so I actively seek for areas of my life where I'm not believing that. And I, I hope I'm submitting that to him. And I know we all have blind spots. Um, and so I just don't think Andy understands what a church is. He, he doesn't, it, it's, uh, it's almost like he just is doing Christian conferences every week, mm-hmm. but he doesn't understand the role of pastor, the role of Bible teacher, the role of the church and the body. And, sanctification and that the Lord who brought us to him himself, he will surely do it. He will sanctify you. Mm -hmm. Uh, Paul writes in Thessalonians. And so, um, there's, there's a lot that's missing here. My, and and so we need to stand on Jesus Christ, that Mm -hmm. he is enough. Um, the word is sufficient. Christ is sufficient. And as we see him as our ultimate treasure, the Lord will conform our desires to his little by little. And that's the hope of, of the gospel and the Christian life. And there are so many people with testimonies of that. I, I commend, uh, if you're struggling with this, I commend Beckett Cook's uh, book, mm-hmm. A Change of Affection. This is not some uh, right-wing stuffy conservative writing this this is a guy who was uh who who is in hollywood who worked in the entertainment and um fashion industries who still does who still has contacts in it who lived this life and jesus he found that jesus christ was enough um and so he seeks to walk this out every day and so like i said darren maybe next week we'll we'll talk about how families parents and individuals can uh rightly interact with people living um in lives that don't resemble what scripture says. What are your final words on top uh, on this topic? Though? Right. Uh, uh, two quick things. One really quick thing is that when you make the, when you make the errors that you and I have mentioned that Andy Stanley has made, then you, you, you end up making errors on these issues of sexuality, which are, which are the most basic. I mean, they're the, they're the, they're the most, basic um aspects of our being they're they're the most um they're 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 so foundational they're we're talking about 
we're talking about ontology. We're talking about uh, you know our, our being, our our uh, what it means to be a man, what it means to be a woman, what what sex and marriage and and all of those things uh, are and what they mean. And it it uh, I mean we see clearly in scripture that the that sex and marriage are pointers to the gospel. They're they're uh, images of that. And so it really becomes a gospel issue. I mean, it becomes an issue of, um, of of the whole gospel being jettisoned when you make these errors. But I'll, but what I really want to close with is this: it's uh, you know John Calvin in his Institutes and in uh, Book Three of his Institutes has a just a great statement on the fact that the Christian belongs to God. We are created in His image for His glory by him and for him and we find our Amen. greatest joy when we pursue him so i just want to i'll i'll read this brief statement and then we'll just close with this but this is what calvin says here he says now the great thing is this we are consecrated and dedicated to god in order that we may thereafter think speak meditate and do nothing except to his glory for a sacred thing may not be applied to profane uses without marked injury to the, to the Lord. Mm. So if we are then uh, not our own, but the Lord's, it is clear what air we must flee and whether we must direct all and where we ought to direct all of our acts of life. We are not our own. Let not our reason or our will therefore sway our plans and deeds. We are not our own. Let us therefore not set it as our goal to seek what is expedient for us according to the flesh. We are not our own. In so far as we can, let us forget ourselves and all that is ours. Conversely, we are God's. Let us therefore live for him and die for him. We are God's. Let his wisdom and his will therefore rule all our actions we are gods let all the parts of our life continually strive towards him as our only lawful goal that's a good word wow and we close with that on this episode of grace to stand thanks so much for joining us 